This is Mike. And Dan. We're coming at you with another episode of Comparing Apples to Oranges, the podcast where we take two things in the same category that don't belong in the same genre, using a special list of criteria developed specifically for this episode. We're going to tell you which one's better. Dan, I don't know if you knew this, this is the first episode of the fifth year of comparing apples to oranges. Oh my God! I think it's so appropriate that you're here because you started it all, bro. Oh, I, I mean, I'm honored. I'm uh, I'm humbled by uh, yeah. by it. I am um, another H word, please. I'm a little aroused. Uh, can you please um, say aroused, please? I'm aroused. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's when you're humbly aroused. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's when your hair gets your hair gets hard. Like you know when you wow. put, you put mousse I, in your hair. I'm so hard. I'm, I'm so hard right now. My hair has an erection. <laughs> Is that what happens some, when you touch like that sandgrass generator? It's like something Tracy Morgan would say. <laughs> Dude, I saw that guy in concert. He is a parody of himself most of the yeah. time. Like, and yeah. you know what? And he knows it. Makes some money. That's all I'm gonna say. Makes he, he makes it. the money. I, my favorite Tracy Morgan thing. Uh, you remember when he had like the bad like car accident like a couple years ago? No. Yeah, he like almost died. Had like oh a bad. Oh my god! And like, and then he came out on Saturday Night Live uh, to to host it, oh. and he acted like uh, his opening line was like, <laughs> it's sh- it shouldn't be funny, but his opening like line was. He said it in a way like where he was having a really hard time talking. Oh no! And then he goes, "Man, I'm just playing with you." <laughs> oh no! I was like, "Oh, poor Tracy Morgan. Why are they putting him out on stage right. like this?" That's... And they, no, I'm just, I'm fine. I'm just playing with you. <laughs> That's outrageous. That's amazing. <laughs> he commits to the bit, though. There's no arguing he does. that. <laughs> yep. No doubt. That's awesome. Well, I'm All excited right. about this this episode. Yeah, so we started uh, the the whole thing off. We always we're big fans of talking about music because um, Dan's got stuff to do, guys. So he can't just be sitting around watching movies all the time. I'm su- so I'm I'm super busy. I you legitimately are. Uh, <laughs> I, I guys, Dan has started from a lowly single podcast to. Uh, are you your own network yet now? Uh, not yet, but we're working on it. Man, we gotta have. Well, I'll edit that out. That's really embarrassing. Yeah. It's the thing. The thing is, my two my two podcasts don't really uh, play well with one another. No, that's the whole thing. Is that's what you need <laughs> on a network? You need it's, diversity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is diverse because on one it's like super, like a hard R rating, and the other one is like specifically uh, family friendly. <laughs> yeah, super, super PG, almost G. So uh, yeah, it's but it's I, I enjoy uh, the journey that that we've been on with the show. It's a lot of fun. All right, well I'm so happy you're here. We're talking about the Hall of Fame, and we're talking about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're talking standing about, in the Hall of Fame. I don't know that one, Dan. And the world's gonna know your name. I'll get it in one more line, I promise. Cause you're playing with the ball of flame. Oh wait, nope. <laughs> I didn't. I lost it. <laughs> You'll be on the walls of the Hall of Fame. I believe it's by the script. Ooh, deep dig. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that's that band name, but not for that song. Gotcha. Let's talk. Have you been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio? 
I have not. I would. Uh, I do a baseball trip every summer, mm-hmm. and I have not been to Cleveland yet. But if I do go to Cleveland, um, I really would like to visit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Although I have heard, I've heard some people tell me it's amazing, and some people tell me that it's not that great. So I, I don't went, know who to believe. I've went uh, with my parents, and my uh, sister is like our last family vacation, um, and we had an amazing time. Uh, but we like it, it's a museum. It you know so like they mm-hmm. have uh, costumes and outfits that Elvis wore. They have stuff from Prince. They have stuff from Barbara Streisand. They had uh, all sorts of gold records on the walls. They had like um, you know wax uh, statues of famous people. They had like original recordings from Lead Belly. They had like. Uh, some of the guitars from Jimi Hendrix, like it was a museum. Um, and then they also had, while we were there, a Bob Dylan uh, traveling exhibit. So it was right up my alley. I loved all the stuff there. Some of it's interactive, but it's like if you don't like museums, you're not going to like this Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's a little bit more than that because it's so like audio heavy. But it's. I had an amazing time, and my family really liked it too. And uh, you know, take that with a grain of salt. So yeah. I don't think it's the best thing ever, but I I had a great time. Yeah, I'd like to go. Yeah, there's there's nothing nothing negative that anybody has said has made me not want to go. Yeah. So I it like will it sucks, I will, I will like, well, go eventually. <laughs> I will go eventually to honor uh, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi is it? Is he this year? Uh, I th- no, I think they went in a few years ago. Okay, but because that I was... remember I I remember I sent you that list yeah. of uh, I it was a it was a wonderful article. I like uh, my dad was driving one day and I was just sitting in the passenger seat just like reading the list to him. Yeah, and and just hearing him comment about each person and why was this person higher than this person? Right. But the list was every Rock and Roll Hall of Famer ranked from first to Bon Jovi. <laughs> Hilarious. Saying that Bon Jovi is the the lowest ranked of like the two hundred and thirty something acts that are in the. And rock I and think, and that's what, and that's actually what we're doing today. We're comparing two acts, and instead of you know attempting the whole like two hundred thing, we just picked two albums from artists that were inducted the same year, and it was the inaugural year of induction, nineteen eighty six. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm going to read you some fun facts about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, the foundation was established in 1983 by, I'm going to say his name wrong, Amit Ertegun. Um, he's the founder and chairman of Atlantic Records. Uh, he founded it with um, some gentlemen from Rolling Stone, uh, specifically the publisher Jan Werner? Werner? I don't know if, if his name is Jay. Wiener. It's Wiener. Excuse me. Uh, some records. Jan, Jan Wiener. <laughs> you know, Jan S. Wiener. <laughs> yep. Uh, some record executives, and then, of course, a couple of attorneys. And then they started inducting people in 1986, but they did not have a physical home until uh, later. And they had to decide where they were going to have the actual site. Uh, so it says that I am pay. Uh, the architect designed the new museum, dedicated 1995. I don't know if that's when it actually opened or not, but I'm assuming it is. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, they considered several cities. They considered the city of Philadelphia because that's where 
Bill Haley and American Bandstand was from. They considered mm-hmm. Memphis, Tem- Tennessee, because that's where Sun Studio and Stax Records are from. Detroit, which is the home of Motown. Cincinnati, the home of King Records. New York City, they're just like, n- no parenthetical needed. It's just like, yeah. it's New York City. And it, then Cleveland. It is what it is. Um, Dan, what other city would you consider a music city um, by the time the mid-80s rolls around? Do you think we hit all I mean, of them? I would say like uh, like uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Oh, so I was uh, going to say Toronto. We were both thinking Poughke- Canada. <laughs> Poughkeepsie. Uh, is that New York or New Jersey? Uh, you're asking the right guy. Um, uh, <laughs> where's ABBA from? Wherever they're from. Uh, Sweden? Who knows? <laughs> that's Swedish? probably a, that's a sweet that's a city, right? A Swede city. I'd say uh, uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Okay, because it's in um, Florida. Florida looks like a wang. Got it. Yep. Um, and then I don't know. I'll just throw out something like uh, uh, Butt Montana. It's pronounced Butt Montana, Dan. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's sorry. What I said. The the Skype. But Montana. The Skype messed up. I, I got you that time. That was, <laughs> I think that was I think a clean but, take. <laughs> I think But Montana. Um, so many great bands have come out of But Montana. Oh, I thought it was because when you listen to rock and roll, you want to shake your butt, Montana. That's why I'm listening to the Flow Rider. Who? God, <laughs> I, can we get Flow Rider in the in the Hall of Fame? I think like, so. We're gonna comment, get, right? We're we're gonna talk about this in a little bit. Um, there's a lot of. Uh, they use the word controversy, controversy, but really it's just discussion and then eventually turns to argument. It's not really controversy because, like, this doesn't matter. But, uh, like, there's a lot of, like, who gets to decide who gets to uh, get inducted and what is rock and roll. And we're going to actually talk about that in a little bit. Um, of course, it is in Cleveland, Ohio, is where the Hall of Fame ended up landing. Um Here's why the people of Cleveland believed that it should be the site is because uh, the disc jockey Alan Freed, who was from the radio station WJW, which last time I checked, you need four call letters, so I don't know what theirs is. <laughs> uh, but they coined. Well, you know what? This is back in the day, so maybe they could only afford three. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have so many stations that they needed. Uh... That they needed uh, four letters, but um, he, a, <laughs> they only had twelve. <laughs> yeah, so they only needed three. They probably only needed two. Uh, you know, AM radio that throws it off. <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, Alan Freed's the gentleman who coined the term rock and roll, and he also heavily promoted the new genre. Um, he, Cleveland was also the location of Freed's. Moondog Coronation Ball, which is credited as the first major rock and roll concert. And um, have you watched any of, uh, there's a Netflix special about, like, the origins of hip-hop. Have you watched that yet? Because there was a, there was uh, no, a, there no, was but a it show, there was a show called The Get Down, which is like a, a narrative about it, like a, fic- uh, you know, creative nonfiction narrative about yeah. it. But yeah. I watched like a documentary one about it. It was pretty good. Um, but like they all can, they're like, this is the first time we had a, you know, a beat boy. This is the first time we had a guy mm-hmm. spin. This is the first time we had an MC rap over something. And like they have, you know, handful of like different things. But 
I've never heard the the facts behind like the first rock and roll concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, it, it, especially in the last ten to fifteen years, when we're when you're starting to see a lot of the uh, the hip hop acts go in, and I think like even this year, uh, Notorious B.I.G. went in, and uh, a lot of people, you know, say he's not rock and roll. That's right. but legitimately rap. I mean, but isn't the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is kind of like just like the the music Hall of Fame, isn't it? And that's what – and so there's also, like, the Grand Ole Opry, which is, like, uh-huh. its own sort of right. Hall of Fame. And there's rules for that, too. And um, – Well, the, Tupac's in that, isn't he, I would assume? I mean – The Grand Ole Opry one? If you think that Tupac is from the country of America mm-hmm. and he made music – technically, isn't his music country music, Dan? Well, he made it for the whole country. Uh, except for the East Side, am I right? Ah, uh, yeah. They still listen to it. I've heard that the East Side is the worst side, which doesn't even rhyme. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was more of a West Coast guy. Because it rhymed. Floor. West Side is I, the best side. Classic I was, Dan. I, I was mainly on the side of whoever was winning. So <laughs> Classic, you know, fair, classic <laughs> fair weather. If there, <laughs> if there was fan. a fight, if a fight broke out, whoever was winning, that's you, that. That'd you be my have side. both a red bandana and a blue bandana in your back pocket, just waiting for <laughs> some shit to pop off. And and they've been in my pocket so long that they just tur- both turned purple. <laughs> and that from, turns from out being next to each other. Grossly, that color is very not is not appreciated by either side. Turns either out either side likes it. The Latin <laughs> king, the Latin kings don't like it either. Black and yellow, man. <laughs> Uh, but moving on. Yep. Um, so another important thing that I thought was really cool, they have an exhibit called The 500 Songs That Shaped Rock and Roll at the Hall of Fame. Oh, interesting. Um, including, you know, The Wabash Cannonball, written circa 1882. You know when you have to say circa about something <laughs> when it was written? And it's – if it's A.D., we should have that stuff on lock. Like history started in 500 A.D. That's when we started recording stuff, I think. And so, like, if we have to do Circa about it, you know that's that's long back there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, an additional 160 songs have been added to the list, and now they're just called the songs that shaped rock and roll. Um, the two most recent inductees, as of uh, me reading this Wikipedia article uh, this morning, was Gnarls Barkley's Crazy and My Chemical Romance's Welcome to the Black Parade. Uh, Gnarls Barkley, sort of like, not... He's not specifically hip-hop, and then, like, My Chemical Romance is not specifically, like, emo rock. So, Uh like, they're both, you know, sort of in that gray area of genre. So I could understand where that... Dan, can you guess the two bands that are most represented on the 660-song list? They Each each of these bands, not an artist, have eight Mm -hmm. songs on the list. Can you guess? It's got to be the Beatles. It's got to be one of them. You got it, man. Okay. Um... Uh, the second one's a little tougher because yes. my uh, my it's, first reaction would be to go. So it's a band, you say? It's a, yeah, exactly. It's a band, okay. and they are like prototypical rock and roll. Okay, so like my first. But you got to remember, rock and roll Hall of Fame started in the '80s, uh-huh. and then this band probably kept making music. So I'm going to give you that yeah. hint. Um, is it the Eagles? That's a good guess. Not, not the. My first guess would have been the Rolling Stones. 
Rolling Stones guy. You got it. Yeah. Is it the Rolling Stones? It is. Okay, so I, I, I damn, I should have gone with the Rolling Stones first, but I kind of got thrown off by your your hint. I will definitely not edit this out. You are a failure. <laughs> I would not have it, guessed it it. it. it is true. Yeah, those are those are usually my, you know, that's kind of like the, like the old argument. Like a lot of people say, like, what's the greatest band of all yeah. time? And a lot of it usually comes down to the Beatles or the Stones, and a lot of people say, like, I'm a Beatles guy or I'm a Stones guy. And, and I think that's – I can understand where you're like, which one is better? Mm-hmm. And, like, you have to decide, but, like, I I have never had a problem liking both of them. Oh, yeah, me neither. And me I neither. think it's because they do different things, and, like, I wouldn't – I would never say they're polar opposites, but, like, like – it, you can listen to some Beatles songs and you're like, oh, that's just pop music. And you can uh-huh. listen to some Stone songs and you're like, that's just generic rock and roll. But then you get into like the Ruby Tuesday territory and you get into like Love is a Warm Gun and you're just yeah. like, okay, like these guys have range. And that's uh-huh. why they have, you know, people are still talking about the Beatles after they haven't, you know, quote unquote, put anything out for mm-hmm. a while. And then like the, the, like the Stones can sell a ticket for 80, 80 bucks for the worst seat in the house in St. Louis still today. Yeah, and they're they're all like in their seventies. Yeah, man. Because like ass. if you just listen to them in a on like cassette in a stadium, that's still not going to be bad if they play the hits, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like for if sure. they play "Sympathy for the Devil" and mm-hmm. you're in paint it black and it's on a cassette tape and everyone's singing along. I'd, yeah. I'd pay 50 bucks. would be fun. I'd pay 50 bucks. <laughs> I'm kind of cheap, though. So. I think, the if I'm not mistaken, I think all of the Beatles are in as solo acts as well. They put Ringo in? I think so. That sucks. I believe so. And I don't Paul know McCartney's Paul... in three times, right? Yeah, I think he's in with Wings, too. Because Wings is not bad. No, it... yeah, Wings, is, Wings had a ton of, like, uh... I think Band on the Run is like one of my favorite albums of all time. Because that a lot of hits. kicks a lot of butt. That's why. Yeah, a lot of hits on on that on that album. All right, the last uh, thing I'm going to read from Wikipedia for you is um, in order to be inducted. Okay, so an artist or band must be nominated by a committee that selects a number of candidates. The highest being 16 candidates, uh, and that's for just this recent year, 2020. Um, Dan, can you even think of 16 bands that would consider themselves rock and roll? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> can't even can't even name 16, 16 bands of all time. Music of all time. Um, I can't even, can't even name sixteen. That's baloney. You can name a hundred and sixteen <laughs> in the next I don't know, fifteen man. minutes. Anyway, moving on. So who's on this committee? Uh, I don't know, but ballots are then sent to more than one thousand. This is in quotation marks. Rock experts. The rock part isn't both rock and experts. Don't like that. Collective who evaluate the candidates and vote on who should be inducted. The performers that receive the highest number of votes are inducted. This number varies. For example, seven were inducted in 2019. Starting eight years ago in 2012, fans could vote on a fan ballot that has equal weight to other ballots. So that doesn't even make sense. Well, I think um, is this like, that probably like the fans probably count as like one ballot, like one, like if they send it to like a thousand rock experts, then like the fans just would probably count as just one of those thousand. I guess so. Yeah. It's so frustrating. 
easily put. Yeah, it's it is, and it it seems like like a very. Um, it depends on the person's taste, and yes. it depends on the taste the subjective the taste. Like, how do you get to be in this inner circle of of rock experts? You know, because I could see like um, like this, you know, disc jockeys, like people that have been like like doing uh, like you hosting. Mean, you mean radio. corporate chills, Dan? <laughs> I, like uh, like people that have been hosting like radio shows for you know twenty thirty years. You know, I could see uh, you know somebody like that kind of being considered. Uh, rock expert because it's kind of like the baseball hall of fame is is voted on by uh, a committee of uh, like sports writers and former uh and like it once you're in the hall of fame you get a vote as well yeah um but it's you know people that, that have been covering the game for you know 20 30 40 years right and they've got a pretty good idea of what you know constitutes somebody to be up to that level right but it, it seems subjective is the word i'm looking for yeah. it seems very you know subjective but i am glad that personally that they are getting a uh, more varied accent because you know it's if the i know the the maybe the original um well i don't even know if the original like uh, thought you know thought process behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was to make it just rock and roll or whatever rock and roll is because I think like Aretha Franklin went in the first year who obviously deserves to be go in yeah, and commemorated for a contribute so they they said that artists become eligible after 25 years from their first record release oh wow and then criteria include the influence and significance of the artist's contributions to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll so it doesn't necessarily have to be especially the the early round like motown should definitely contribute blues oh yeah no doubt should definitely contribute to the perpetuation and you know popularity of rock and roll back then i guess the development might be the better phrase yeah because i mean you think about what what rock and roll is and you know, a lot of rock and roll that people call like, you know, actual, um, like black and white, like rock and roll, right? Is is because it was, uh, it evolved from other types of music. There you know? is there is a legitimate song by ACDC called "Let There Be Rock," and it yeah it paints like the origin story mm-hmm. of like the rock and roll that they like got to assume like that they made popular mm-hmm. right and you know it talks about like you know Tchaikovsky and like blues and then now everyone can appreciate it so mm-hmm. even though like yeah. you can just talk about Elvis Presley taking gospel music and stealing blues from the black people which mm-hmm. is completely mm-hmm. legitimate historically but yep. now culturally speaking it should belong to everyone Mm-hmm. And rock and roll itself, you know, was was kind of a you know conglomeration of of different you know music types. Like right. you said, is you know when when Elvis came out and was you know doing his thing, right. nobody had really seen anything like that because they had seen like little pieces from here and little pieces from here, but nobody had seen it all put together in that package. Right. No pun intended, because you. 
They edited out his <laughs> hips. Like you had to because that's it's, where his dick is. It's an, it's egregious. You can't put that on TV. We did, and everyone can't. I mean, like pe- like people were just screaming. Like you couldn't. The live recordings back then were just <laughs> like you couldn't hear anything because it was just people screaming the whole time. <laughs> Like, oh my god. It it reminds me of like the joke you have about well, you know, he did a pretty good job with like humor because everyone knows like jokes weren't invented until Richard Pryor yeah, came around. Richard Pryor in the in the, in the mid to late seventies, yeah. And like that's sort of the thing is like no one had listened to this kind of music. Everyone I guess just sat quietly and like nodded their heads or tapped their feet. Yeah. But now like you go to a rock and roll concert and there's blood on the floor all the time. <laughs> just like Yeah. Losing their minds. Yeah. And that's America, man. That is, in a nutshell. So, um, I guess we've danced around it long enough. Let's talk about our two inductees. <laughs> uh, so, I I did not find a lot of info on these albums, but I found a little bit of info on both of these gentlemen because they are so, like, they're both, like, rock and roll, historically important, and also, like, you know yeah. the names. So, we're, we listened to Sam Cooke's 1963 album Mr. Soul which uh, was not categorized as rock and roll according to Wikipedia but is both rhythm and blues and soul it was his 11th album uh, at the time Um, Sam Cooke what do you know about him he is an American singer songwriter he's also a civil rights activist and entrepreneur what else do you know about Sam Cooke Dan uh the first time I had ever, was ever introduced to Sam Cooke, I believe it was, um, it would have been in the 80s when uh, Dirty Dancing came out. Okay. There was a t- like, he had like two, two or three songs that like popped up in that movie. Um, there was, um, uh, he had, he's, he's, he's got like so many uh, songs that if you heard him, you said, oh, that's Sam Cooke. Uh, he's like twisting the night away, and um, he 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 kind of had I think Jess a. Just told you. Uh, no, she was yelling something else. Was it about dirty dancing? No. Uh, she, Sam Cooke had kind of a um, a little bit of a weird uh, run in his career. He uh, you know kind of it was all about just like uh, like dancing and having fun. And then it kind of got into uh, like the album that we're hearing today is is um, uh, almost like a like about like love and like love affairs and and stuff like that. And then yeah. toward the end of his toward the end of his life, his probably his most famous song came out after he actually died, yeah. which was uh, "Change Gonna Come." Yeah, you know, uh, that's when he he said that he was. Um, felt like he needed to be needed to be doing more. Felt like he needed to to you know you see like his his album covers and he's just like big old shit eating grin Hells like yeah, so man. happy to be there and he made eleven like, of those like <laughs> before by the, this by, one by the end of his life you know and both these guys died like super young and super you know? tragically yeah yeah not very, just like I mean like of course when you die young it's tragic I should not sure but like. But like an odd, like odd. They ways. put out, they put out an album, and died. Like, yeah, yeah. It's this is so sad. 
Yeah, and some of the thing, uh, some of the we'll talk about some of the circumstances of those, but you know, apparently Sam Cooke was you know feeling like like he he was hearing Bob Dylan's mm -hmm. uh, "Blowing in the Wind," right. and he said like if a white man like right. this white guy is seem seemingly more in tune with the plight of African Americans than than I am, I need to be doing more. I need right. to be I need I need to you know change some things i need to um i i need to put out something like that to tell like what what our experience is like because right. this guy who doesn't right you know have to deal with the same things that we have to he understands it and you know put out put out you know classic song like that uh so sam cook is a guy who uh i you know probably considered one of the greatest Soul voices of all so time. Good. He's such I, a he's such a talent. I think they they even had like he's the um uh like the king of soul. I think Ooh. I saw that come up a, a few times. I know like James Brown's the Godfather of soul, but I think they, they can coexist they're because of higher. <laughs> so we got like Aretha Franklin, who's the queen of soul. But I saw King of Soul pop up many times at uh, in looking for facts about Sam Cooke. But just, I mean, he's got many songs that you recognize, and none of those uh, that like crossover hits. There was a couple on this album that that I was slightly familiar with, but the majority of them I, had, I was hearing for the first time. Which is, you know, uh, kind of cool. kind of hard to do. Like when mm -hmm. you think about, oh, it's somebody from, you know, so our album came out in '63, and if it's 11th studio album, but you know, this guy he's been working. So it's not an album a year. He's doing more than that. But like, if you consider that amount, like that proliferation of quality music, like he he's putting out some hits. But yeah, that just goes to his talent. Where like he didn't the only songs you know aren't on like the best of Color Me Bad sure. sort of thing. Yeah, like he, <laughs> he doesn't need a best of until he's passed away, and then there's like four of them. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like when. You know, knock on wood when Stevie Wonder passes away. Right, two hundred years uh, from now. Yeah, hope. Yeah, hopefully, two hundred years from now, it's you're not going to be able to do a best of on on one album. It's going to have to be like a an anthology, a box set, because it's just it's too much wonderful stuff. Huh, wonderful, cute. <laughs> so <And> then, <laughs> so Sam Cooke, like uh, in addition to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he was. Put into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame. Uh, he got a Lifetime Grammy achievement in 1994. Uh, and Rolling Stone has him on both their 100 Greatest Artists of All Time and 100 Greatest Singers of All Time. That's awesome. Pretty cool. Um, so, and then our uh, our other one, our other uh, artist and album today is Eddie Cochran. His mm. only... A uh, studio album before his passing was called Singing to My Baby, released in 1957. It is comfortably in rockabilly. Um, it's also identified as pop, which we're going to go into in a second. And um, also in the genre of country, which makes sense mm -hmm. when you think about, uh, you know, the 50s. Especially, Especially like what, what rockabilly is. Yes. It's kind of like a mix of, like, country and rock. That's right. You know, um, when I 
I was not super familiar with Eddie Cochran other than a, a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, uh, I knew the name. Eddie Cochran. I, I, like, oh, Eddie I know Cochran. Him. Yep. Yeah. Oh. I know all about him. I didn't know he sang. That's cool. Um, I knew that uh, in the movie La Bamba. La Bamba. Okay. Uh, Another tragic. He is situation. a. Uh, he's. His character is in that movie. Uh, and I looked it up, and it's actually played by uh, Mamba does... Number Five, Lou Bega. No. Okay, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Lou Bega or the Cherry Pop and Daddies. God damn it! I got. <laughs> I just assume you'd been looking this whole so, time. Brian Setzer. <laughs> you you. <laughs> the, nope. Brian Seltzer. Brian Setzer, the Brian Setzer Orchestra guy. BSO? I don't know who they are. You know, you know the Brian Setzer Orchestra. Do they what, sing? What's that uh, big song they had? Don't let me down. And did they also have electric and lights? Because I have no other guess. Brian Setzer <laughs> Orchestra. Uh, let's see. Come on, give me it a. Just, give me. It just links back to the Eddie Cochran Wikipedia page. This is not. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. Uh oh, jump, drive, and whale. Yeah. All right. You're right. That that strikes yeah. a chord. I get you. I'm you back on that. board. You know that. I'm back on board. Well, Brian Setzer played Eddie Cochran in the movie La Bamba. So it wasn't Lou Bega. Uh, it was not Lou Bega, and uh, so La Bamba was about um was it Richie Valens? Yeah. Is that who it was? And he was one of the people he was apparently really good friends with Eddie Cochran. And Richie Valens was one of the people who was on that uh tragic Yeah. So uh, the day uh, the music playing. died. Yeah. With Buddy Hot Buddy Buddy Holly ugh, Buddy Holly and uh, the Big Bopper. And um what I found is that apparently, like it said, Eddie's friends and family later said that he was badly shaken by the, their deaths and developed a morbid premonition that he would also die young, oh. uh, wishing to only spend time in the studio rather than touring. So, oh, so apparently he, he did not want to tour because he felt like something bad was going to happen to him, like what happened to his friends. That's, and yeah. that's exactly what happened. And that's what happened to Eddie Cochran. He passed away at 21 and he like in a taxi cab accident. So he wasn't. It's not like one of these stories of like, yeah. you know, so and so gets high and then like, drives his drives his like Maserati off a cliff or what. Like he did everything right. He had it like he was of age. He was like in the car with his fiance and like the taxi cab just like lost control, which is like so yeah. sad. And he you know he was on tour when it happened, and so. I, it, this goes back to like sort of the the whole thing with his when he passed away he became sort of an icon for the image that was already like he was already attracting people to his sort of like what he you know what he was putting out and everyone loved him because he was a sharply dressed and attractive young man with a rebellious attitude mm. and they said that he captured the teenage frustration and desire in the mid 1950s and early 1960s and I'm just, just like this is sort of when teenagers become te- like before it was just like you're a child who was made to work and then they said you couldn't work anymore 
so you went to school and then like that like this is sort of the iteration of that so before it was just adults smaller adults and then they're like okay child labor laws so then they're like okay well, we have children and we have adults and then like the 50s roll around and they're like well these children are old now and we can't make them work so that's like when teenagers pop up in the united states at least and so like you know the 50s is sort of like we're pretty comfortable with money so like teenagers have this disposable income and like you know people are like hey what if we just create stuff for them to consume and so this is sort of like when rock and roll takes off and we get to see eddie cochran is like you know he, he combs his hair but sometimes he gets kind of mad i don't know and he's all he's like talking about like anyway so it, it gets into weird stuff but like uh before he passed away he was also in three movies yeah um he played uh the character bong maybe you see him saw him in untamed youth i did not but he also played himself in the girl can't help it which i think i've heard in a kanye song when he samples it girl can't help it girl can't help it is that kanye song dan uh you're asking the wrong guy and then the song and then the movie go johnny go um i'm assuming he's playing himself he is performing music in the movie is that what you oh, I'm, I'm i'm sure he is Okay. It's like it's like the old Eddie Murphy joke about uh about Elvis Presley acting. It's like uh Elvis Elvis couldn't even act. They they just they let him do movies. Like fuck it, we'll just let him sing all his lines. It's like uh, hey Elvis, we got to win this race. We got to win this race. But like hey, El- Elvis, you want some lemonade? <laughs> lemonade. That cool refreshing drink. It's not bad though. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like that's good. I'm like, oh my god, that's so good. Like that's, we no, we can't get mad at it. Nope. Elvis fucking made like 30 movies. <laughs> Is that true? That's Dude, way too many. Okay, so, so many movies. I'm super. I'm super sad about this. It wasn't Kanye. It was Fergie's clumsy. <laughs> you oh. heard that song, right? Uh, by by Fergie. Girl if can't it's Fergie, help it. Yeah. If it's Fergie, I probably heard it. All right. I'm putting that in the show notes, too. Elvis has got in so many movies. Oh, my God. It might be more than 30. We've got them all ranked here from best to worst. (laughs) That's – oh, man. Oh, never mind. Sorry. He had 31 movies. Ooh. Found a couple more. So I I went went by uh, Price is Right rules. Smart. Still one, though. Yeah. I think the most important thing to remember is uh, we're still doing a podcast. We haven't even gotten into the beef of it, man. All right, we got to move on. Um, we'll be back in just a minute to talk about the criteria we are going to use to decide which one of the inaugural hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees did a better job. Okay, we'll be we back. we got to win this race. We'll be back in a second. back all right we got some criteria for you so whenever dan and i listen to some music we talk about which album had better re-listenability uh dan do you want to talk about one of the other ones uh sure if i can remember them uh one of them was 
uh, which one was a better representation of rock and roll? And then we so talked about rock and roll Hall of Fame. Because they're in the Hall of Fame, we, we talked about which one stood the test of time better. Which one do we consider their music uh, kind of still relevant? Mm-hmm. And then the last and, one. And then the last one, I just had it and then I forgot it. So <laughs> it's uh, which one do you want to listen to more of the? Catalog? Yes, yes, more of their catalog. Got it. So where do you want to start, Dan? Uh, re listenability, man. Okay, so which one would you plop in the old uh, sound producer and you're like, hey, everybody, check this stuff out. Um, I listened to it. I listened to both of these albums three times because I told you we wanted to do this and then I forgot to set a date and then people get busy. So we're doing it today. So I listened to them each three times. Um, where do you where do you fall? Where do you want me to go uh, first? Uh, it's Mr. Soul for me. Um, I think just because Sam Cooke's voice is just so amazing, it's it's hard to uh, to not want to kind of hang on every note that he sings. He's just got one of those one of those voices. In the spring, to give your heart a song to sing, and then a kiss. Oh, but more than this, I wish you love. I enjoyed listening to the album a little, a little bit more. Uh, Eddie Cochran, to me, I enjoyed the album, but it kind of just felt like, and this is going to be like super uh, insulting to Eddie Cochran fans, but it kind of just felt like somebody doing like a, Elvis Presley impersonation. So hug and kiss a man, a baby. Make like you missed a man, a baby. But don't resist a man, a baby. Cause I'm mighty, mighty mean when I'm mad. Yeah, I understand that. And, uh, I mean, and Sam Cooke just felt like you were, it felt like you were hearing, like, something special like something that nobody else sounded like and you know because there's there's a lot of people that have drawn inspiration from Sam Cooke like I mean he directly influenced uh, like Aretha Franklin toured with him when she was 19 Wow. so you know she obviously you know took a lot from him Al Green Stevie Wonder Marvin Gaye uh, somebody that we did um, a show on before Curtis Mayfield yep so, you you got to with with him. I just I feel like you're listening to something like one of a kind. Yeah. And so like that's what I'd want to listen to again. That's awesome. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I I completely agree with you. I found him. I think because he his like. Both of these albums are just about thirty minutes, which kind of fits with one of the other themes we did before. Mm-hmm. But like I just think he was able to. Sam Cooke was able to diversify those like short songs in a way where they like he's like this is what a sad song sounds like this is what a like sort of like I'm a little bit bitter but like you know see you later song sounds Mm -hmm. like it's like this is what a happy song like he covered a whole gamut in a short amount of time 
and I kind of like that more. Like we d- we definitely don't get like a story arc or anything like that, but like I enjoyed how it was arranged, and Eddie Cochran was sort of like the same thing over and over and over and over again for a very short period of time. Like he has a song that's like just about two minutes long, and yeah. he doesn't say anything new in it, which I was you know it did not wow me. You know, a lot of the a lot of the Elvis songs are like that too, like like uh, two minutes to like two and a half minutes. Right. Um, a lot of them are like that, and you know, but until you get into like the uh, Old and they're you know, yeah, he's got a couple of them that are you know uh, stretch out a little bit more, but even like um, when he you know did like like comeback Elvis like in the seventies, uh, yeah. you know, he was doing like. Uh, like uh, his songs that came out like uh, "Burning Love" and stuff like that. After yeah. that, were all like short, quick, to the point. Right. It's like it's like get in, get out. Yeah. Do what <laughs> you, you know, know how to money. do. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a reason that has to do with like how much wax cost back then to like record on or some some nonsense. Mm-hmm. But we both like Sam Cooke a little bit better for if we're going to re-listen to the whole album. Now, which do you think did a better job of representing what is now rock and roll? Um, I mean, for me, it was it was pretty easy to say to say it's Eddie Cochran because when you think of when you think of rock and roll, you usually think of like you know guitar, you usually think of drums, you usually think of upbeat, you usually think of like uh, kind of a rebellious attitude and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of angst in his music yeah. you know the fact that you know he died when he was 21 right. so he recorded you know he dropped out of school at like 16 Naturally. and started recording music yeah. and think about what you know <laughs> how the brain of a 16 to 20 year old works right. and especially you know when they're um you know pissed off at society and and, you know his most famous song that I didn't even know was him, but you know I've heard many times, and then I've heard it be re-recorded is "Summertime Blues." No way, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm gonna raise a fuss. I'm gonna raise a holler. Yeah. Out of working all summer just to try to earn a dollar, and wow. there's stuff in there by like. Uh, you know, like uh, I like to help you, son, but you're too young to vote. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, and it's just stuff like that that that's kind of like what rock and roll is all about. Right. It's like kind of like getting pissed off and like rebelling against something. You know, um, Elvis was like, like you said, like they wouldn't even show like his bottom half on TV right. because he was such a such a rebel. You True know, controversy men's hips yeah. shaking about um but so, to me that, that was you know sam cook being in such a different genre yeah uh i think for if we if we're talking about you know what rock and roll is by definition right uh versus like what the what the rock and roll hall of fame represents right i think it would be eddie cochran i agree with you because uh <laughs> we don't really get like a guitar we just get like piano like nice nice string set and like sam cook and like i would i would consider him like very comfortably rhythm and blues like definitely Mm -hmm. a couple of songs or so like 
he does not bring the energy of rock and roll that I consider it, especially on this album where like Eddie Cochran has a guitar rhythm rhythm guitar and like a double bass, so it's like old timey. But then he also has backing vocals by the Johnny Mann chorus, and he himself, Eddie Cochran, plays the ukulele. So you're like, uh, is this oh, wow. rock and roll? You're like, well, it's more <laughs> rock, it's more rock and roll than like this man sitting on a stool holding a microphone and like melting your heart making your heart melt like that's definitely more rock and roll but like it's not you know neither of them fit in what i would consider like beatles or rolling stones territory of rock and roll or like 70s rock and roll which you know like led zeppelin they're definitely not neither of them would produce the song immigrant song that's a that's a no-brainer but but you could see where a lot of like the rock acts, especially even like the Who had a big hit with "Summertime Blues," like yeah, covering that song. Yes, um, like had a big hit with direct it. antecedent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you could see where a lot of wait, are you, know, you telling lot... me that if the Who covered "Weeping Willow," it would not be rock and roll? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to hear it. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Is like Sam Cooke put out some good stuff. Like that song "Smoke Rings," that's pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah. Smoke rings I blow each night Oh, where do they go? Those circles of blue and white It's not yeah. rock and roll, but it's pretty good. But if you, know, if you listen to some earlier Sam Cooke, it will sound more like yeah, rock and roll, you know, because like twisting the twisting, twisting, everybody's doing great with twisting, and then like chain gang, right? You know, that's the sound of the man working on the chain gang, and uh, some good stuff. Yeah, you know, Cupid, Cupid, draw back your bow and let your arrow flow. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a lot of I think early on, and I think that's what's the cool thing about Sam Cooke is you could see him, you could really see him evolve, and then to the point where um, you know change gonna come, his most famous song. It just starts off with just just his voice. There's yeah. no instrumentation at all, and you wouldn't want it any other way. Right. But when we're talking about like rock and roll by definition. I think it's got to be Eddie Cochran, especially since you could see how. And I kind of shit on him earlier when I said he was like doing a Elvis impersonation, but <laughs> you could see like how influential that his music and his type of music was to future acts. Yeah, I agree with that. And the fact that people are still covering, you know, his songs from the 1950s. I think yeah, because and I think that that goes right into our next one. Which one's still relevant? I think their their legacy is still relevant mm-hmm. but let's talk about each album which album do you think like someone could listen to not like us who like chose them specifically for a reason like and just be like oh I would consider this like this is 2020 music I would listen to this today which mm-hmm. one do you think falls more comfortably in that uh, for me it's uh, Mr. Soul because Damn, I I'm think really, that... I'm really worried that we're just like I showed you my notes, 
or I'm yeah. just a coward and I'm just doing everything. You're saying. That's <laughs> well, I have I have cameras all over your house, <laughs> so. Oh God. <laughs> it, it was for um, it was just for uh, sexual stuff. Oh, but, all right. Well, we both said an S word. That's a hat. That's a that's a win. <laughs> I mean, those are sexual surveillance. You know, that's what <laughs> that's what it was for. Smart. There's some alliteration in there, but now I can use it for other things. Cool. But there's I mean there's some songs on. The Mr. Soul album that you could, if you put them on the radio today, or if you put them on, you know, Spotify today, they would clean up. Yeah. Because they're, I, I just think that there's, there's, there's more timeless stuff on the Sam Cooke album than there are than there is on the Eddie Cochran album. Now I love like, like I love Elvis. Elvis is like one of my favorite artists of all time, and I'll, I will sit down and just like get on a random Elvis kick and listen to. You know a bunch of Elvis stuff, but yes. I mean, if you put Elvis on the radio today, well, like, remember when they did that song, the the El- like they recast the Elvis yes. song? That was yes. garbage, man. That was yeah. straight up trash. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Some you know some bands are and some performers are, you know, killed it in their in their era, and people have a lot of nostalgia for it. Yes. And some people killed it in their era because it was so good that it could have worked in in any time frame. It's kind of like athletes too, you know. Was was Babe Ruth, you know, is he the greatest baseball player of all time, or is definitely? You know, if if you put, you know, what would he be like in today's era? If you you had every pitcher eating as much drinking as much <laughs> and smoking on the field as much as he was and if they could even get close to his record without the performance scene in drugs i would be surprised are like, you that's telling a, me that that smoking cigarettes is not on the field is not performance no, enhancing? He was smoking cigars <laughs> <laughs> he would tie four cigarettes together break off the filters smoke them, crack a few homers, and walk home. He's just like, you guys get it, right? I don't need to go around the whole bases. <laughs> and then they put him as pitcher because he can't run to a base. You know, you know he's cal- I don't have time for calisthenics. i got to smoke these darts <laughs> <laughs> and stumble home. But then, like, and then you have, like, your, you know, your Jackie Robinsons where they're just like, like and Jackie Owens who beat the Nazis single-handedly in a foot race. Like mm-hmm. that's why we got to win World War Two. In front of Adolf Hitler, yeah. Yeah, he was very upset. <laughs> that was like the perfect the perfect storm yeah. for like I think it was like 1936 Olympics in Berlin. <laughs> Hitler's there. He hates like if you don't have blonde hair, blue eyes, you're yeah. inferior. And this American just goes in there and just, just runs so just, fast destroys, <laughs> destroys destroys like his uh he got, he got so mad he got so mad he started a war over it. <laughs> that's, and that's what poland remembers <laughs> destroyed his whole way of life they're like man if jackie owens was just a little bit slower <laughs> classic we, we would have all, we wouldn't have had another world war classic polish issue yeah. hitler would have just like stuck to his uh stuck to his country and wouldn't have got like all you know Napoleon complex about it and wanted needed to take over the world and then uh you know we beat him at that too sorry guy yep um i two time I, two time world war champions i think you back did it back. <laughs> back to back 
We took no hiatus. Don't call it a comeback. Nope. Um, I really liked how you used the phrase timeless because I don't think Sam Cooke is relevant to 2020, um, but I think that he he's still good. And you can't not listen to him and be like, I'm impressed. This is good. Um, same thing with Eddie Cochran. He's good. It's just like I don't want to listen to his kind of music mm-hmm. unless I'm in the mood. Right. Right. You're not always in in like a, a rockabilly mood. And, yeah. You're not always you're not always in like a, you know, sometimes you need some heavy metal. Yeah. Sometimes you need like some uh you know like 90s rap. You know, sometimes I you know, I want some rap music, but I don't want, you know, stuff that's getting put out now. I, I don't want to listen to any rap. good rock me- or rap music. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's me sh- shoot shooting blast across the bow there sorry Dan. Oh, well, now, now if you said 70s rap i i i don't hardly <laughs> I agree with myself you. to the hat store got myself a hat that's right i don't want to hear about how your day's going um i do i would feel remiss if i didn't bring up how both of these albums have a have a whole song about like the lead vocalist dating someone who is so crazy young that like it's brought up and there mm-hmm. needs to be a song about it mm-hmm. and the one is called well then you say you're too young well then yours is not real love you're just having fun cause you're only 16 and your life is not free well they call you cradle baby but you're just right for me cradle baby which not not great dan and the other one is called little girl and you're just like you know what and this great big world will be divine little girl when you're mine You forget that both of these men probably put out these albums when they were both kind of young, but yeah. also just like it was super normal to yeah. just like it sure date was. children, and it you, sure was. you're like, oh, are you talking about like, you know, Bill Cosby? Are you talking about R. Kelly? Are you talking about Jeffrey White? No, like Jerry Seinfeld, Prince. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are just dating teenagers and you know they're famous so it's not a big deal and you're like uh what like well another person who went in, who went into the rock and roll hall of fame in this same class was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis yep and he's the one who married his 13 year old cousin <sighs> come on guys she's still just, just I'm do looking, looking at it right now. It said uh, Mira Gale Brown was just 13 and still believed in Santa Claus when she married oh. Jerry Lee Lewis. Talk what about, the fuck? Bro. Talk about a rude awakening. God, like why? <laughs> just do better, guys. This is this is a PSA. Stop being. He was stop being straight up he, creeps. He was 23 at the time. That's not okay. You and should uh, know better. He, if you said he was uh, 15, I'd be like, eh, still too old. Like. Yeah, that was his third wife, by the way. Oh, by the time he got to 23, he was burning. God, he was burning through him. Was he going down in age or up? Please say up. <laughs> no, that'd be way worse, Dan. Jokes on you. God. Uh, well, he he's like, well, the first two didn't work. 
I'll try my cousin. You know. Oh, she's 13? Even better. Statistically speaking, this is a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) We have similar interests. We have similar relatives. We see each other all the time. (laughs) Yeah. We're already going to be at Thanksgiving together. It won't be awkward. Oh, it says here... uh, We both share a sibling. Oh, uh, Elvis Presley. You know, he married uh, Priscilla Presley. He started dating her when she was 14. Uh, I was watching... I say I. Libby had found a YouTube video where Barbara Walters was talking to Priscilla after Elvis had passed away. Mm-hmm. And I think this was this is what got me so, like, upset, is they're just like, she would talk, like, she was, this is after he passed away, so, like, you know, they'd also gotten divorced, I think, right? Because mm-hmm. they had uh, Lisa Marie, and then he went crazy. Mm-hmm. And then they got divorced, and like so, this is years later. So she's like an adult, and she's just like, you know, we would never do anything like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, good. That's because you're a a child, like a little bitty kid. You know, it. And I'm I'm reading this as you're talking. I'm I'm reading this thing about Jerry Lee Lewis, and you know his uh his cousin who he married and. You know, I'm not saying this makes it better, but she said that my generation was taught to hide under our desk when the bomb came. So you always had in the back of your mind that any minute, any day, life could come to an end. What I wanted was a baby in my arms, a home, a husband, a kitchen, a kitchen to cook in, a yard to raise roses. My little brother was born. My little brother was born because I begged my parents for a baby at 10 years old. So uh, like that's not where the baby was born, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where babies come from. Asking but her, just, oh no, did she think it was Santa Claus? Yeah, oh maybe. God, oh Santa fucked your mom. Yeah, I mean, maybe just everybody thought the fucking world was gonna end, so might as well marry your cousin. Might as well marry your thirteen-year-old cousin. But like, oh. just the fact that you know Elvis was dating a fourteen-year-old yeah. too, and then ended just, up marrying her—that's just God. Completely appropriate at the time. Was it? I'm, I don't know, I'm, man. I'm These so are glad we, people. I'm so glad we were born later. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's Jerry weird. I, I think <laughs> it's weird, and I don't know why they didn't think it was weird. But I think today, hopefully in 2020, if you're a celebrity, and I think so this is the last uh, Drake, like, has, like, I don't know if it's Instagram or Twitter or something, but, like, had made comments about the girl who plays Eleven on Stranger Things. Like mm-hmm. they'd made, he had made comments on her like page, and people were like, mm-hmm. dude, that's messed up. And I'm like, wait, is this it? Is this is this modern <laughs> history? Are we finally saying it's not okay to like want to date and presumably have sex with a child? Yay, <laughs> we, we did, did it. it. We did it, guys. It took a long time. A long time. But we did it. Hopefully. Who knows? At least maybe it's like in the zeitgeist that it's not appropriate, right? Yeah, just... it, yeah. At least we're getting we're getting into the consciousness a little bit. Oh boy. Maybe in another thirty years we'll have it figured out. And uh, I think that's a perfect transition, Dan. Which one of these artists would you like to listen to more of their catalog? So, I've heard. Uh, I'm. I am. I am more familiar with with Sam Cooke. Right. Um, but I think I'd, I think I'd still rather listen to this, this album proved that I haven't heard nearly 
even close to a fraction of what Sam Cooke has put out. Right. You know, I could I could probably I could name you know a handful of of popular songs of his that that everybody knows, but having heard a whole album of songs that I was pretty much unfamiliar with, I think I would rather listen to and it kind of goes back to what we talked about a second ago. I think I'd rather listen to some more Sam Cooke and kind of see that progression. You know, yeah. kind of like the Beatles had over the years of you know of how their music changed and how they grew as artists and. Sam Cooke did the same thing. Right. I think I think I'd enjoy more listening to, you know, his albums from like when he, from when he first started recording to up to the time that he passed away because I think it would be a very interesting journey, and you know, based on what I've heard about Sam Cooke before this album and what I heard on this album, I can't imagine it not being amazing. Right. And Eddie Cochran, I kind of think that I've I've heard what I'm gonna hear. Yeah. You know, El- like I said, Elvis is great too, but you kind of heard what you're going to hear with right. Elvis, and that's why, like when I, when I went back and like heard some like Elvis's like gospel stuff, yeah, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit because I thought it was kind of cool that he had had a little bit of range there, right. but the rock and roll Elvis that we know, and then we get into like the Vegas Elvis. Oh boy, do we? You know, yeah, kind of like jumpsuit Elvis. It's but it's not really different though. It's he, not. There is a jumpsuit in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They let you try it on. Uh, no, but you get to look at the sweat, and there's a oh. lot of it. Nice. Yeah, there's a little bit of cocaine, but you're not allowed to sniff it. What? I mean, oh, you shit. can you can break the glass. It's one of those like like you know how you have the the little boxes like break yeah. glass if so yeah. break glass if you want to snort Elvis's need, coke need but, cocaine. but it's you know it's like Excalibur then you have to become the king of pop or king of rock <laughs> the king of pop no <laughs> my but hands I, are tied speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Wait, children nope not not even the same thing <laughs> yep not even the not, same okay thing. not even the same thing right. in the 80s we started saying well I don't know <laughs> I digress. His dad did beat him a lot. You're like, that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> um, so again, uh, you read my mind. Uh, I think Eddie Cochran's not bad, and I would like no, to listen not, to not more of his stuff, uh, but sort of like on a like a historical bent, you mm-hmm. know, um, sort of a research base. Where like Sam Cooke, because I already know he has the range, I would like <laughs> to hear what he has done on ten other albums. Especially yeah, because agree. we know that he got room to grow, where, like, Eddie Cochran didn't really get, like, it's this sort of the same thing, you know, like, uh, we got to see Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. He's, like, very comfortable moving between genres. Like, yep. even, you know, hate to bring it up all the time, but, like, Bob Dylan, he's, you know... He's done stuff besides what he just did to get popular, and like Eddie Cochran really didn't get a chance to do that. And so yeah. maybe he would have been, you know, he would have been a successful Elvis and not have like you know self-destructed. And maybe he yeah. would have been doing sure. some really interesting stuff. But like because this is his only studio album, and then everything else is sort of like hodgepodge together, I would much rather hear Sam Cooke because I know he got to do explore some more sound so before we uh tally up the the votes here yeah uh can we talk a little bit about uh we kind of hinted at it earlier the uh the way these two men met their unfortunate demises okay go ahead 
Um, so, Eddie Cochran, you talked about the um, uh, the taxi. Yes. In uh, I think it was in London or something You're like correct. that, and and that kind of you know alluded you know back to what I said about how he kind of was worried that something like this was going to happen. That's yeah. why he didn't want to be touring. Right. Um, and then Sam Cooke, I think, was only like 33. Yep. When he died. That's right. And there's so there's there's not a lot of hardcore facts about what happened. That is completely accurate from what I've <laughs> researched. Yeah, everything I'm hearing is like uh, everything I've read is like little bits and pieces of this story put together with this story, and so the way I understood it is that Sam Cooke was uh, with this uh, lady. Right. Uh, an aspiring model, as she, she said, a self-described aspiring model. Uh, I guess I could describe myself as that as well. Which you often do. I do. Like I do. Unprompted most of the time. <laughs> like right like, now. Okay, Dan, we're just ordering food at the restaurant. Well, as an aspiring model, I'll have the chicken tenders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he went back to like this this hotel, like kind of like in a bad part of town. Um, I don't know if it was like a no-tell motel or, or something right. like that, but apparently he um, went to shower and uh, got out and realized that the uh, lady had um, that he was with had robbed him, and um, he went running downstairs to the uh, the lobby in just a, a suit jacket, no uh, nothing else on, just a suit jacket, and he was. Uh, just in a rage. I don't know if he was on drugs or or what, but apparently was just in, just talk, you know, yelling at the the clerk for you know asking where the woman went, and I guess the woman or the clerk was not being super um, helpful, and the woman shot him. Yeah. Like there was some people. Some uh, the woman claimed that. Sam Cooke like came after her, like right. attacked her. Yeah. Um, and apparently it was ruled a justifiable homicide. And it was never really investigated. You know, um, every, all the things I said that if that would have happened to a celebrity today, it would have been investigated, you know, down to the last minutia. Right. But, but for some reason, this was just kind of said, oh, yep, that, what, that's what happened. This is. Now, now he's dead. Right. And um, so weird, like just that both these guys are, you know, 30, 33 and twenty one, and who knows, like if Sam Cook could have had like a, you know, a, a Stevie Wonder like career right. where he's where he's still, you know, touring and making awesome music. Because uh, Stevie Wonder's had an album come out like four or five years ago that was was fantastic, like. And he's in his, his 70s, I believe. And I saw him live a few years ago in Chicago, and he was amazing. He did, you know, the whole songs in the Key of Life album from start to finish, and he and he was amazing. And you know, you've got like somebody like Paul McCartney, who's in his 70s. He, st- he still sings in the same key that he sang in when he was <laughs> with the Beatles. That's crazy. Like, it's insane. Who knows, like what what you know? And Marvin Gaye too. Like his uh, his dad shot him, and he yeah. died. You know, young too. Who knows so what, what what he could have done if he would have, uh, you know, had a long life and a long career. And then you know, Eddie Cochran is like, 
just another one of those guys that you know out in a uh, you know here for a for a cup of coffee and then gone you know yeah uh, out in a you know blaze of glory and it wasn't even because of you know him self destructing or anything like that although you kind of could see that there's there may have been like some you know depression issues you know after you know the uh, after you know his friends had passed in that plane crash but man so weird uh, how these two left us and so much unfulfilled Potential. promise yes from both exactly of them. and the fact that Sam Cooke did put out 11 albums and he's he passed away at 33 right I mean he could have done 40 albums you know who knows? Well, what's our tally here? Because uh, I've Same also Cook. got uh, Sam Cooke's I've, got it. I've also got some. Uh, I found like uh, facts that you may not know about Ooh. both of these guys, so I okay. might drop a few of these on you as well. But Sam Cooke is Sam like, Cooke's what, our runaway. Eight, Eddie Cochran. Eddie Cochran, we said was the most rock and roll, but Sam Cooke uh, swept the rest of them. All right, so uh, Eddie Cochran here. We said he left school at sixteen, become professional musician uh he started uh singing with a local club singer named hank hank cochran right and they toured as the cochran brothers even, even though, though they were not related exactly. at all <laughs> that's awesome uh his song summertime blues reached 18 in the uk uh but reached eight on the american charts uh he is credited as becoming one of the first guitarists to use an unwound third string a musical technique to bend notes up a whole tone. Whatever the fuck that means. Uh, <laughs> his songs have been covered by Jimi Hendrix, the Sex Pistols, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles. Um, we talked about uh, his friends that passed away the day the music died. And uh, interesting thing about uh, when Eddie Cochran died, it said the taxi and other items from the crash were impounded by local police waiting for a coroner's inquest to be held. Dave Harmon, a police cadet at the station who would later become known as Dave D of the band Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Tick. Oh yeah, those guys. Taught himself to play guitar on Cochran's impounded Gretsch guitar. Uh, Dave D's band found success in 1968 with their hit song Legend of Xanadu. This police cadet, like, taught himself to play guitar on the guitar that was in the taxi that Eddie Cochran died in. That's, and he ended up forming a band. Isn't that illegal? Like uh, that's, he's, the that's police evidence, can, right? The police can do whatever they want, man. Oh, good argument. Uh, so Sam Cooke uh, said he started off as a uh, I guess his uh, his dad was a minister. Uh, he's one of eight children. Uh, it said he began in a, in a group made up of his siblings when he was just six years old. At the age of 14, he became lead singer with the Highway QCs, which was a gospel gr group. Uh, he left the group in 1951 to join the Soul Stirrers, and his neighbor and friend took his place in the Highway QCs uh, named Lou Rawls. I think I – yeah, that sounds familiar, Dan. Very, very famous singer. Uh, you'll never find <laughs> as long as you live someone who loves you the way I do 
That's Lou Rawls. Thank you. <laughs> uh, two years later, when Rawls left the QCs, uh, it was none other than Johnny Taylor who succeeded him, uh, another famous singer. Coincidentally, it was Taylor who replaced Sam Cooke in the Soul Stirrers. <laughs> In 1957, so it's like six degrees of Sam Cooke. I appreciate it. I th- like that just goes on to like show how his influence, like, has a like spreads out. Like it's not just him singing the songs that you might have heard. Like he has an impact on the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his uh, Sam Cooke's protege was another uh, rock and roll Hall of Famer named Bobby Womack. And he married uh, Sam Cooke's widow, Barbara. So after Sam Cooke died, just three months after he died, his protege, Bobby Womack, married his widow. Yes. And then Sam Cooke's daughter married Bobby's brother, Cecil. But there's more to the story. It's called Keeping It in the Family, Dan. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of it. So Sam Cooke's family was so upset that Bobby Womack, his protege, married his widow, so much so that three of Sam Cooke's brothers met the, uh, them in a Chicago hotel and beat the shit out of uh, uh, Bobby Womack. <laughs> <laughs> also, according to Bobby Womack's autobiography, he would sneak out of his bedroom at night and uh, would bang his stepdaughter, Linda. Okay, now we're back to the thing that we're trying to yep. stop. Okay. Yep. Uh, when Barbara found out, that's Sam Cooke's widow, who later tried to keep this all straight, Mike, who later married his protege, Bobby. Uh, when Barbara found out, she held a gun to his head, ordering him out of the house. As he ran from the garage, she fired one shot, grazing Bobby's scalp. And it says at the end here, this was the cause of their divorce. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't stay together. I put that in bold print for my notes. <laughs> Because I was just, I read that and I said, well, no shit. <laughs> that he's banging the stepdaughter and she shot him in the head. So they, they didn't work it crazy. out. A uh, couple more that said, uh, the only show anyone can remember Sam Cook canceling was in Memphis, Tennessee. And that's because he got a telegram from the local NAACP saying that the audience was going to be heavily segregated. Uh, only one side of the three balconies was going to be reserved for black audience members, so they would only be one-fourth of the audience, oh and none, none would be on the floor level. So he just said for the only only time in his career, he uh, he canceled a concert. That was oh. the only time. Wow. Uh, he said he wouldn't he said he wouldn't play in front of a segregated crowd. And um, we talked about um, – uh, his song uh, "Change Gonna Come." Uh, he apparently only performed it one time. He performed it on uh, Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, just eight days after recording it. But it was overshadowed by the fact that two days later the Beatles appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show. Oh no! Talk, that's such bad coincidence. St- stole his thunder, and the song wasn't released until uh, two weeks after he was killed. So. Uh, Oh, and the last one is that he actually had two funerals because of how uh, popular uh, he was. Uh, There was – he had a uh, funeral in Los Angeles where he died, and then his body was flown to Chicago where uh, 200,000 people showed up. Wow. That's Uh, awesome. They said um, that 
people. I mean, people were just lined up, like for miles and miles, just to uh, pay respects to Sam Cooke. So, uh, you know, it really shows you the impact that he had on a, a lot of people's lives. Yeah. So uh, that's my uh, that's my little uh, trivial facts for. Those are uh, some good ones, man. Thanks. I like it, to do. It paints uh, out like because there's like this was the inaugural Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, so like these guys weren't chosen like out of a hat. Yep. That's the thing is like we we you did a good job of providing some context both to the who they were at the time, which is like pretty big personalities, like household names, and like why they're still important. Yeah, I think no you doubt. did a good job. All right, we're going to be back in just a moment for some other recommendations of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. We'll be back in a second. And we're back. Dan, which inaugural inductee to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame would you like to recommend? Or do you want to recommend a specific album? Which which would you uh, rather? I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a specific album. Okay. Uh, do you happen to have the the list of the? Yeah, you ready? Yeah, give me because it's like we were talking off air. It's like a murderer's row. Like it's like the twenty seven Yankees of <laughs> of yeah. music. Um, this is I don't know why it's in this order, but I'm gonna read it as uh, it's presented here. Elvis Presley, James Brown, Little Richard, Fats Domino, Ray Charles, Chuck Berry, Sam Cooke, The Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry. G- Jerry Lee Lewis, Robert Johnson, Jimmy Rogers, Jimmy Yancey. Uh Lost me on the last few, but I'm sure they're very important. Wait, where's where's our guy? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Did I read the wrong list? Is that, the, the, is that the right list? <laughs> was he the next year? It says 1986. Oh, okay. damn. Oh, you know what? He was early 87, so I just consider that okay. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Well, gotcha. also just because, like, I figure that you've listened to most albums by most of these people. Yeah. Except for, I, well, I know you're a huge Jimmy Yancey fan. I'm, what was the one guy, Dick Johnson? Or No, that's big, just a, big, that's a name big, you made up. Big Dick Johnson? It's Robert Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. They, they call him Big Dick Johnson. Maybe you've heard of him? <laughs> uh, so, there's so many... That, that you could pick. So I'm going to go with one that is going to be a little less, a little less obvious for me. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Everly Brothers first album. Okay. Uh, self-titled. And, uh, the Everly Brothers are somebody that like my, my dad, you know, exposed me to very early. Uh, my dad used to play a lot of their songs on the, on, uh, the guitar. You know, like uh, "Bye Bye Love" and "Wake Up Little Susie." "Wake Up Little Susie," by the way, is uh, was like banned on radios in Boston because what? it's about it's about like a teenage girl oh, yeah. falling asleep at a yeah. drive-in. Yes, and <laughs> like she's past, and she's past curfew, right. and they're not doing anything inappropriate. They just went to the drive-in and they fell asleep. But this girl's out past curfew, and that's apparently was like. Uh, was big time news and uh, back in the fifties, but the Everly Brothers, um, I think, are woefully underrated, and uh, just the fact that uh, their harmonies and the fact that they 
were one of like the first prominent like rock and roll duos. And when I say like rock and roll, you know, don't you know not like slaying guitar and yeah. big big drums and stuff like that. But that's what that's what rock and roll was in the fifty. You know, like Bill Bill Haley and the Comets, and, yeah. uh, you know the Everly Brothers and Elvis and and people like that. But you know they had um, three songs off this album were on um, are two the two songs that I mentioned are both in uh, Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Oh, wow. So <laughs> that's that's pretty, uh, that's yeah, pretty I, hot praise there. I consider there. that pretty good. You're right. Yeah. So their their first album, in, in my opinion, is their best album. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, mean, don't mean to go all uh, Ken, Ken Rhino on Classic. you. But, uh, uh, and they had like a, I remember them having like a, a comeback in uh, like a reunion tour, like in the, the 80s, because oh, like my... Man. Uh, like my dad talked about it. Like uh, one of the brothers is still alive. Okay. Um, the other one passed away like in 2014, I think. Don Everly was born in 37. He's still alive. Uh, Phil Everly was born in 39. He he passed away in in 2014. But you know they kind of you know came from like uh, a family band and they even got an album that's called like something like Songs Our Dad Taught Us or something like oh, that. Oh, cool. Which I think is, is kind of cool, but uh, you know they had they just great harmonies, great um, you know easy easy to listen to, easy to consume, and um, like I said, uh, two of their two of their songs on that album are in the top 500 of all time, so I don't think you can go wrong. That's awesome. Um, so I'm also going with a, a no-brainer. I'm going with James Brown. Um, so I was trying to find the first album I listened to by James Brown. Yeah. And it was a I got it from like the Columbia Records, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. uh, total ripoff situation. Mail um, order. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was a huge mistake. Uh, except this this is a really good song, a really good album, and I'm like, oh wow, he has like this is it it was called like the 50th anniversary collection. So mm-hmm. like it came out in 2003. So it was well after he had stopped, you know, putting out his most iconic music, and it was mm-hmm. just, you know, his early stuff, middle stuff, and then up. But it's hard to, like, pin down, you're like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, e- easily his best stuff, because he has, this is not a joke, eight collection, eight volumes that are, nope, nine, ten, eleven. He has eleven volumes just called The Singles. Uh, so like he he is a hit machine and mm-hmm. he I, had ni- 96 songs in the Billboard Hot 100. He's he's amazing. Um, 96 songs. He, he had he had 15. He had like three wardrobe changes at his funeral. All right, it might have been five. <laughs> now that I say it out loud, but like he is uh, the energy he brought is captured and like we get to see some of the his progression as an artist and like the topics he chooses to do and like he's one of the people that when you think about like the 70s and the 60s and like that music that's like so time locked you know like because disco died we know about it we talk about it dan you and i talk about it a lot all every day um and like he transcended that he built up what that music would sound like and he uh he evolved before it became um 
you know, out of style. And he influenced so many people, influenced so much kind of music. And also, like, his songs are just still really good. Like, yeah. even if you're not like, oh, I don't want to dance to, you know, this funk music, then you're like, well, check your pulse, he might be dead. And yep. also just, like, his his stuff's, like, still good. Yeah, no doubt. Damn, uh, he, get off my he back. Also, he also taught me uh, to that I had a choice to make. I had to give it up or turn it loose. Yeah. No, there's a lot There's a lot of very obvious lessons he tries to put yeah. in your face. Told me to get on the good foot. That was him. You're right. Told, told me to get up off of that thing. <laughs> he told me it was a man's world. and uh, he, Yeah. He told me Papa don't take no mess. He told you that? Yeah. Wow. Told me to make it funky. Anymore? I got the feeling... Did he tell you to jump back and baby, kiss yourself? Baby, I got the feeling. Uh, I do that anyway. Well, I do other things to myself. Oh, but. God. All right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for listening to the the first episode of the fifth year, five years going strong of five years, baby. comparing apples to oranges. Today we compared the inaugural artists from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's first year inductees Eddie Cochran and Sam Cooke, and then we told you to listen to some uh, Everly Brothers and James Brown. Uh, so the uh, the gift for a five year anniversary uh-huh. uh, is wood. I heard you say "gif" as in like, <laughs> the the funny um, yeah. emojis we send each other, like <laughs> moving pictures. Yeah, is, is it the, uh, like Elijah Wood, like doing something uh, silly? Oh, I got some wood. I'll give you. Is it is it Elijah Wood? Uh, and, nope. And Lord of the Rings. It's uh. The, there is a ring involved. Is it a Eddie Cock ring? It's a cock ring. <laughs> and that'll, with that, that'll do it for this. Everybody, <laughs> this has been uh, Comparing Apples to Oranges. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. We go dance down the street. Wake up, please, and weep. The movie's over. It's four o'clock and we're in trouble deep. Wake up, please, Hello there, that was episode 49 of the podcast. Uh, Welcome to year 5 of Comparing Apples to Oranges. What a terrible way to start out year 5. Hopefully uh, you have picked up on the fact that Dan and I recorded this in the before times. Um, That's why we were so casual and cavalier talking about pandemic stuff. Um, hopefully this finds you well. Uh, go ahead and check out the blogger site. Got it nice and looking good. If you want to look up any more of the podcasts that are no longer on the feed, and that's at thecatopodcast.blogspot.com. Lots of good links and goodies today in the show notes for this episode. Go ahead and check that out. Any comments or ideas for future episodes of the podcast, you can send it to Twitter, it's at the Cato Podcast, all one word, or go ahead and email us at Cato Podcast at gmail.com. The intro, outro, and music bed music was the song Thumbs Up by the great artist Leisure B. And if you liked what he was putting out, go ahead and check him out at humanworkshop.com. Hope everybody's doing good, and we'll catch you next month. Bye. <laughs>